0: Reaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. It's always great to be with all of you. I hope you and your family and loved ones are beginning to have a, a fantastic holiday season in this spiritual time as... I wish you all of the Christian faith a Merry Christmas, and my Jewish friends, hope you had a happy Hanukkah and the celebration of your days of Hanukkah, and uh, to everyone else and any holiday that you may enjoy, God bless and enjoy the time with your family. This week, I have to, and and, uh, I would ask for some latitude as I want to readdress an issue that we've addressed in the past, but now... The House passed it. The House passed the Combating International Islamophobia Act, and we need to discuss what happens next, because if this passes the Senate and then no doubt the uh, uh, reflexively, non-cognitively engaged President Biden will certainly then just sign it as the progressivists and Islamists have pushed it forward, this will be a crime. And what is this? It sounds great in an Orwellian sense. Uh, Representative Ilhan Omar, Democrat from Minnesota, wrote this and passed it, uh, put it forth through the House with Representative Jan Schakowsky as the first of its kind. It passed along a strict party line of 219 to 212 and established a Combating International Islamophobia Act that then creates a position perched at the State Department. Let me give you a few of the reports before I start to get into more of my opinion about it and the dangers of this act. But please pay attention, ladies and gentlemen. This is beyond, beyond simply just another little bureaucratic position. This is on the agenda, has been on the agenda of the Islamists for some time. And now they're checking the boxes that they have the opportunity of uh, Obama 3.0 and this red-green alliance that is now running the show, and the radicalization of the Democratic Party is in full tilt. It, it, It is just beyond incredulous that the United States, a country founded, founded on the freedom of religion against theocracy, against the establishment of religion and government, now is putting into government a position not called about preventing bigotry against all minorities. No. It's actually a position about Islamophobia. What is that? It doesn't even, the legislation passed by the House, ignorantly, doesn't even identify what Islamophobia is. And it's no mistake that it doesn't talk about Muslims. It talks about Islamophobia because the Islamists want to suppress free speech. This is a blasphemy law within the laws of Congress. Dimitri Shapiro in the JNS Uh, talked about uh, the bill would create an office to monitor and combat Islamophobia in the State Department, similar to the one that exists for anti-Semitism. That's what it purports to be is similar to that, but it's not similar. Republicans and some Democrats noted the bill's vagueness and the fact that it could be used to attack Israel and Europe and anywhere where Muslims are a minority. And I have to tell you, having said that, the crime of this bill is that true Islamophobia or bigotry against Muslims is per- is perpetrated for the most part globally by other Muslims. So if this is really going to be about protecting Muslim minorities, the dissidents in countries from Iran to Pakistan to Saudi Arabia to e- Egypt and Turkey and all over the world are persecuted by other Muslims. And I doubt the person they put at that perch is going to care about crimes against humanity done by Muslim majority countries, because that's not Islamophobia. It we'll would be under his purview. No, under his purview is making sure that Paris doesn't take away the right of hijab. That burqas can still be used and and worn in Belgium and elsewhere. Well, we can have a debate about whether that falls under the rubric of religious freedom. However, the bottom line is is that this is really what we should be doing in the united states and i'll remind you that the state department deals only with foreign countries and yet this perch is going to start to slowly turn the lens of the state department inward domestically back to shapiro's piece and summary of the news if passed by the senate and signed by the president the bill would create an office to monitor and combat islamophobia in the state department similar to the one that exists for anti-semitism it said It would be in place to monitor and combat acts of Islamophobia, whatever that means, or Islamophobic incitement. The word incitement is used repeatedly in the legislation. And again, incitement is language that's used to suppress free speech because anything can be called incitement. The Saudi government is brilliant at saying that sorcery is incitement for radicals. It's brilliant in saying that anything that's done in dissidence to what their Sharia supremacist law is, is incitement to radicalization. So this should frighten every American. And it wants to be included. Reports on Islamophobia and annual reports to Congress about human rights and religious freedom in foreign countries coordinated through the new office. Gregory Meeks The House Foreign Affairs Committee chairman began the debate by reading a statement from the Biden administration. The administration supports passage. I mean, Biden didn't even, uh, uh, this isn't even a hands-off thing. His minions in the White House basically already gave tacit support to this. And he said that his administration supports the Islamophobia Act and that our country's commitment to defending freedom of religion and belief goes back centuries And the administration strongly believes that people of all faiths and backgrounds should be treated with equal dignity and respect around the world. Unfortunately, here in the United States, Biden says in recent years, anti Muslim bigotry has been on the rise, with mosques being vandalized and Muslims beaten, attacked, and elected officials on the receiving end of death threats and other hateful rhetoric, all due to their Muslim faith, Meeks also said. Bigotry is unacceptable. And it's incumbent on all of us to condemn it wherever and whenever it occurs. Sure it is. Absolutely we should condemn anti-Muslim bigotry. But that's not what this dang legislation says. This legislation is about Islamophobia. It's about blasphemy laws. It's about empowering Islamist movements that want to criminalize speech that's critical of anything that the Islamic establishment feels is critical of their Islam. Meeks, on behalf of the House and his committee, said that not only does the United States have to prevent Islamophobia within its borders, but is obligated to confront it worldwide. Citing the massacre of Muslim worshippers in Christchurch, New Zealand in March 2019, as well as the treatment of Uyghur Muslims by the Chinese government and the Rohingya Muslims in Myanmar. Also, oh, now this is becoming a priority. Really now? The Democrats seem to care about the Uyghur Muslims when it's most of the Hollywood uh, 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 millionaires and Apple and Amazon and others that are doing business with China that actually have been turning a blind eye to this. Now we're using this issue to pass an Islamophobia act when in fact they've done nothing before to show that they give a darn about it. Make stressed that the freedom of religion is a fundamental human right and no one should be the target of discrimination because of their faith. If left unchecked, he said, it can lead to terrible atrocities, to crimes against humanity, and even to genocide. So this legislation will help shine a light on this problem and help address the global rise of Islamophobia at a time in which Islamophobia remains rampant. Oh, really? Rampant? Which data? There's no links. There's no... Uh, um studies they're citing, if you look most of it, a lot of the data, even the data they use pales in comparison to the acts of anti-Semitism done against the Jewish community, and also ignores the fact that Muslims, that are victims are often targeted by other Muslims, and also that a lot of the reports ended up being false, hoaxes, uh, uh, deceptions, whatever it might be burned Qurans that were actually turned in by other Muslims because they thought the orthodox way was to burn the Quran 18-year-olds in New York that faked hate crimes Allah Jesse Smollett because they wanted attention or were trying to get away from their parents these cases are out there again we're not minimizing I'm not minimizing that anti-Muslim bigotry exists, but this is absolutely the wrong way to do it, and actually will end up hurting Muslims and hurting reformers and hurting free speech within our communities far, far more than it will do anything to protect Muslim minorities. And not to mention, the target of the State Department is diplomacy with, yes, our allies, but also with those who we are frenemies with, who we may have difficulties with. And other than China and Burma, now known as Myanmar, Myanmar. to say that somehow we have this huge priority in which to protect Muslim rights in France or Germany or elsewhere is absurd. How about what's happening in Turkey? If you care that much about NATO, why do I have a distinct feeling that this... This new perch at the State Department will do nothing to protect the oppression against the oppression of Muslim dissidents in Turkey as Erdogan imprisons thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Let's look at what else Omar said. She introduced the bill on October 21 and said that the world is in the midst of a staggering increase of Islamophobia. She mentioned the Uyghurs and concentration camp. Many of us have been working on this issue. But her liberal friends or progressivist friends are so deep in with China, you don't see them talking about the, the, the Chinese government's plague on humanity. The CCP and its threat is one of the biggest threats to our security. Now all of a sudden they care about it because they want to put in this post, which is actually going to be used to target Europe and especially target Israel. So it's interesting that they compare it to the position on anti-Semitism, yet they're going to institutionalize one of the most anti-Semitic things that has ever been done by the U.S. government in the past post-World War II era, and that would be the institutionalization of an Islamist position in which anything done under the name of Islam, including Islamist charters and other things that are anti-Semitic, will be defended. They're going to counter, according to Ilhan Omar, anti-Muslim laws in India and Sri Lanka, as well as politicians stoking fear against Muslims in Poland, Hungary, and Belarus. How are we going to do that? Just counter their speech? Criticize their countries from abroad because of internal politics? How would Americans have felt if the French were giving us lessons about how to deal with the various minorities? I'm sure they may want to try to do that, but I don't think it falls in the state, to in their diplomacy portfolios. And of course, she said, we in the United States are not immune to this hatred. It is no secret that the previous president of the United States, and by the way, here it is, this is the, this is the actual truth as it's buried into her press release. I quote, she said, a complete and total shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Former President Trump was simply taking advantage of a culture of Islamophobia that has existed for the past two decades from the Patriot Act to the CVA program to Abu Ghraib. So there you go. In the State Department, they want to put a perch to basically target our own country. I mean... This administration, the progressivists, are putting Marxists to run the banking system, which is, uh, again, an absurdity in that you you basically have Marxists that are anti-free market, anti-capitalism, that are going to run institutions that are based in capitalism and free market, and now you're going to have Islamists perched with a verbiage that empowers a theocratic mindset, supposedly from a government in which our first freedom is religious liberty for all, equally. Not one over the other like the Sharia supremacy that this perch will be protecting in Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Pakistan, and any other Islamic republic like Iran. And then the news report ends uh, with Shakowsky that said she was proud as a Jew to co-sponsor the bill, saying she saw many parallels between this position and the envoy for monitoring and combating anti-Semitism. She quoted, and no source for this quote, 70% of American Muslims have reported personally experiencing anti-Muslim hate, or maybe it's care, so she didn't want to source it because of how corrupt it is. Bigotry and even violence. She said, adding that not only did she see it in her community, but also directed towards Muslim staff and towards Omar. And it goes on. Now then, we get some reports of the rational members of Congress that opposed it, stating that besides the redundancy it brings to the State Department, which already has offices to handle issues of religious liberty, Islamophobia is a loosely defined term they fear can be used to label legitimate criticism of actions of Muslims throughout the world. The House Foreign Affairs Committee chairman, Michael McCall, said he agreed with the spirit of the bill that no one should be attacked or have their human rights denied because of their beliefs, but called it a rushed partisan bill. McCall said that the Democrats in the Foreign Affairs Committee made no effort to work in a bipartisan manner before the markup, which is why the legislation has no Republican co-sponsors and not one voted in favor of it. And shows you not only how dysfunctional the House is, but how useless this legislation is. That's simply a a uh, little token of appreciation to Omar's Islamist brethren that wanted to put this forth, and it was put forth without critique. The legislation is horrifically problematic. Let's look at some of the verbiage in the legislation itself. It's going to create an office to monitor and combat Islamophobia with the primary responsibility of monitoring and combating acts of Islamophobia and Islamophobic incitement that occur in foreign countries. So now we're going to be policing speech in other countries that incites criticism of Islam. It doesn't say bigotry against Muslims. It says Islamophobia. The word itself is offensive, by the way. Many uh, uh, individuals are are targeted that are Muslims that uh, criticize the Islam of the states of these theocracies, and they're called Islamophobes. The legislation also says, in preparation of that portion of the State Department report required by IRFA, the International Religious Freedom Act, in ninety eight relating to an assessment and description of the nature and extent of acts of Islamophobia and Islamophobic incitement. Is that a or what? Islamophobic incitement. So therefore, criticizing Hamas's charter that quotes supposedly quotes what's thought to be the Prophet Muhammad's hadith that said, kill a Jew behind every stone. Is that Islamophobic incitement? I actually think it's a terrorist Uh, incitement for a call to violence using so-called religious scripture to do so. But the Office for Islamophobia could then squelch that whole debate about Hamas being a terror organization because it would say that its charter is protected under anti-Islamophobic incitement. lastly it says actions if any taken by the government of the country to to respond to such violence and attacks or to eliminate such propaganda or incitement or to enact and enforce laws relating to the protection of the right to religious freedom of muslim people doesn't say all people it says muslim people based on incitement prevention of incitement that should worry everybody because by the way where'd this start this legislation I think Omar had it in her back pocket waiting for the right moment. And the right moment in the culture early October in the past few weeks was the national response to a speech that Representative uh, Lauren Bobert, Republican from Colorado, gave in which she cited the jihad squad and said things that were essentially uh, not appropriate and rather rude, but that all of a sudden gave them a segue to talk about how much bigotry is coming from the right and how much uh, uh, the Islamophobia sentiment's increasing. There's no recent acts of violence, no huge spike in Islamophobia. No, A a congresswoman who made some inappropriate comments now all of a sudden becomes the trigger to create a new post that the Islamist governments will cheer. I can tell you that if this was a problem in which this post would be something that uh, would have been problematic for real crimes against Muslims done by the Iranian regime, the Pakistani regime, the Taliban, and and the litany of others that commit acts of crimes against humanity, against Muslims and other minorities— Uh, You would have heard about it from those governments right now complaining that it's unnecessary and it's interference and all this kind of stuff. But no, they're cheering this on. And Ilhan Omar is all too happy, as is Gregory Meeks and and so many Jan Schakowsky and so many others. The ADL even chimed in on this, uh, agreeing with it. I mean, it's just bizarre that they don't see this. Ask Muslim reformers what they think about this new act. But no, the trigger was because, all of a sudden because of a congresswoman's comments, never mind when Ilhan Omar made comments about the Benjamins, about Israel, about and, uh, that were clearly anti-Semitic comments about our soldiers being the real terrorists in Somalia in 2017, or other tweets on and on, and speeches she gave about Al-Qaeda, and she laughed hysterically about Al-Qaeda, that it's not even, almost insinuating that it wasn't real. And then something happened, as she said, to some people after 9-11, on 9-11. All the offenses she had. She never lost a committee assignment, yet she still has a, a perch on the committee, on the House Foreign Relations Committee, that she shouldn't even have the clearance for because of her Islamist sympathies. And yet that's not the conversation we're having, is it? The conversation we're having now is pushing forth her legislation on the heels of folks that have lost committee assignments very quickly from the Republican side. So the partisan hypocrisy is is unbelievable. Now, some may feel that this, this legislation is pure theatrics and won't even be brought up for a vote in the Senate, but I'm not sure that that's true. Talk to your senators. Talk to your media to cover this and find out what exactly the heck the House was trying to do, because if this passes, it's going to be a crime. It's very possible that anti-blasphemy will now be codified into American law. This is not hyperbole, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a drill. The freest nation on earth, born in revolution against theocracy, is actually unbelievably on the verge of creating a position in our State Department charged not with protecting inalienable human rights, but with protecting a faith ideology. It's going to be celebrated, as I said, by theocratic Islamist enemies across the world. And essentially, the U.S. government will have sanctioned, will have a sanctioned American Grand Mufti. And actually, when Rashad Hussein was just and this is the other piece of news this week. Hold on to your bootstraps because we now have an Islamist heading the US ambassadorship at large for international religious freedom. Yes. I sat on the US Commission on International Religious Freedom for four years, from twelve to sixteen, and at that time Rashad Hussein was the special envoy to the OIC. And it was no secret that he was simply a performance artist that was going around taking pictures with the monarchs and the dictators and autocrats of Islamic governments saying maybe some lip service about protecting religious minorities and atheists and others, but not once did he say anything against Islamist movements. Not once did he make it obvious that he was against the Muslim Brotherhood, Jama'at Islamiyyah or any other Islamic theocratic political parties. Khomeinists or otherwise, to make it clear that these things needed to be reformed. He's had ample opportunities and didn't. So now, wait a minute. That position now, in which we're going to have to monitor and criticize and make it clear what he's saying on behalf of Americans, in the name of religious freedom, he's going to empower Islamic theocrats across the planet, but now we need a second position. Really? That's what this act does. So some of the Republicans are criticizing it, saying it's duplicative because Rashad is there. The Islamists don't think it's duplicative. They think they're just now getting finally their nose under the tent of freedom and liberty in the West to try to institutionalize an Islamist position. It's going to be an American grand mufti He's going to determine, or she, what is and what is not Islam, and what is and what is not Islamophobia. Every American Muslim, especially anti-Islamist Muslims like our leaders in the Muslim Reform Movement, are going to be marginalized by the new U.S. government arbiter on Islam, which this act tries to put into place. So let's, let's look at how dangerous this bill is. It's important to understand the origins and history of the term Islamophobia. I'll remind you, it was operationalized by Islamist movements in the West, like the Brotherhood in the late 20th century, that wanted to silence Western debate where Muslims are a minority and prevent ideological diversity within emerging institutions of Islam. And then it was popularized by ruthless theocrats Khomeini in Iran and Eighty-nine, where he issued a fatwa, a religious ruling a law, and legal ruling that imposed the death penalty on British author Salman Rushdie for his famous dissident novel, *The Satanic Verses*. And then that term, Islamophobia, when it wasn't applied to books, when it wasn't applied to Western intolerance of radical Islam, the term was then also repurposed. Internally, within most Muslim majority countries under the neo caliphate of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, and it would extinguish dissident voices through torture, imprisonment, or death, not for criticizing the king, but for violating the laws of Islam, for tarnishing Islam and being apostates because they didn't practice the law or believe in the law. Or by criticizing the law, they rejected their own faith. They became apostates. They committed tekfir, right? The word tekfir in Arabic is somebody who openly rejects their faith. So even though these dissidents were all self-declared Muslims, by criticizing the grand muftis, the jurists' interpretation of jihad, sharia, and other things, they then were tacitly, openly rejecting their faith even though they didn't, even though they loved their faith like we do in the reform movement and declared that we're just pushing back against political Islam and Sharia states. So thus you see these states used the concept of Islamophobia as a bludgeon to suppress dissent, as a bludgeon to declare dissidents, not against the king or the princes or the rulers, but to declare them anti-God anti-Islam, and thus it became easier to sell in an Orwellian way. So now, back here in the West, the charge of Islamophobia is thus wielded against anyone who criticizes the religion or its Islamist and jihadist counterparts. As a result, the crimes of Islamist terrorists and their sponsors are whitewashed, obfuscated around the world in favor of political correctness. So pause a second reflect on what such an outpost about Islamophobia in our State Department will be serving. If that's not an American grand mufti, I don't know what is. Don't forget, don't forget that the radicalized American left is pushing this theocratization of American Muslim identity. Remember, the Democratic Party just spent the last few years ripping America apart via the racialization of our nation and the foundations of our American principles. They racialized who we were and said that this was born, this country was born. This is critical race theory, right? Born on racism and born on hate. So why not create a perch about the same thing against Islamists, or for Islamists, against people that criticize Islamists? So with this new act, they're taking the weaponization of the label of bigot globally, and handing it to the Islamists to use with the full blessing of the American imprimatur. Yes, the American imprimatur will go globally to to work on behalf of Islamists and declare criticism of Islamists as Islamophobia and bigotry. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the red-green axis of the progressivists who've been pushing BLM, pushing anti-police, pushing socialization of our economy, handouts, checks, etc., is now working hand-in-glove with the Islamists to put Rashad Hussein into place as the U.S. ambassador on so-called international religious freedom, and now the Combating Islamophobia Act. And they've been working together this axis for 80 years at the U.N. As I've told you before, the Venezuela's and Chinas of the world working with Iran, Syria, and other Islamist theocracies. And never mind, never mind that Muslims like myself who stand up against Islamist religious extremism and who criticize the imposition of Sharia law and the abysmal treatment of women, gays, and minorities in Islamist countries are consistently and bizarrely also branded Islamophobes for doing so. Go to CARE's website on Islamophobia here in the United States and see how I am listed as an Islamophobe even though I truly love my faith, have a close relationship with God and my scripture, but just interpret it in a different way from the political Islam that the care groups and the Muslim Brotherhood legacy groups do and these perches that they want put in within our government. On the contrary, I would posit that we're some of the greatest defenders of genuine Muslim and non-Muslim rights. So if we're pro-liberty and we're anti Islamist at the reform movement, we are actually doing the fighting against anti-Muslim bigotry. And this Orwellian office at the State Department will only empower, only empower a look at the world through the binary. You remember, the Islamists look at the world in a binary fashion of Muslim and non-Muslim. So they're going to end up doing the work of the Islamist tyrants and turn reformers and dissidents into apostates as if we don't exist. So if you want your State Department to become the department of the Islamic establishment of theocratic rulers, then you should be in favor of this uh, legislation. If you're worried about that, if you feel, if you feel that that legislation will be harmful, then please, for the love of God, please call your senators. Make sure this doesn't happen. We Muslim reformers speak out against these atrocities committed throughout the world by Muslims against Muslims. So what will the Congress do now? Ask a question of your senators. What will they do now, having passed this bill, when it confronts the uncomfortable fact that the vast majority of global attacks on Muslims are clearly committed by other Muslims. The space that this bill from the Islamist sympathizer, Ilhan Omar, creates for the suppression of countervailing ideas of liberalism is breathtaking. The language reads like a state manual from Islamic theocracies. And even the statistics it uses, as I mentioned before, are hokey at best. They never consulted with the State Department. They don't even define what Islamophobia is, leaving it open to the possibility for approval from anyone who says something negatively associated with Islam. And of course, even more dangerous is the repeated use of the term incitement in the legislation, language which is code for the Orwellian control of free speech and protection of any ideas within Islam, no matter how theocratic or repulsive that may be. And every one of us Americans has seen how the term incitement is used and weaponized and deployed against the establishment. Deployed by the I'm sorry, deployed by the establishment against conservative thought. All of a sudden, all criticism of of anything that happened on January sixth last year was somehow incitement to that support that riot. The term incitement is a term that is a bludgeon used by tyrants to suppress free speech, and I would say go back to American Supreme Court precedents in Bradenbury versus Ohio about the KKK speech and what true, true calling for violence is versus repulsive speech that would not be prohibited. America has a very different definition, and what they're trying to do is bring Europe's definition of hate speech, incitement, etc. into the United States and have a perch in the State Department to effectuate that cultural change. So this isn't an anti-Islamophobia position in the State Department. It's going to become a massive liability for our foreign policy. And it will also be used to turn on our own nation. It will fulfill no other purpose than attacking Western democratic nations and, of course, of course, Israel. Israel continuing to allow anti-Semites to thrive on criticizing Israel's democratic state as somehow being anti-Muslim and anti-Islam. While leaving millions of Muslims in Pakistan, Afghanistan, Syria, Iran, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, and others to continue suffering at the hands of their tyrannical regimes. So, the supreme danger in this legislation is that it's going to give Islamists and jihadists a free pass to commit genocide and ethnic cleansing against their fellow Muslim brethren because it doesn't fall under the purview of the office of the American Grand Mufti of Islamophobia. You can tell I'm a little incensed about this. And, you know, given the current foreign policy views of the Biden administration and everyone, it's empowering and the radicalization of the Democratic Party, it will surely put the U.S. government in a position to withdraw protections granted by the First Amendment as it will be increasingly difficult to draw attention to real human rights abuses by jihadists and Islamists without fear. To end, put an exclamation point on this, it's it's really unthinkable that Congress has come to this. Yes, real anti-Muslim bigotry exists, and it should be countered as we do any type of bigotry against minorities. But Islamophobia is a manufactured virtue signal that allows one to appear to be on the right side of social justice. And That's the new thing the last two years, isn't it? Lastly, this new and un-American position at the State Department is named and founded on the racialization of an ideology. Come on. A faith is an ideology. Islam, just like every other faith, is an ideology. It's not a race. A party, political party, the Democrat party here in the United States, that has repeatedly exaggerated the label of bigotry for its own political purposes, racializing politics in general, is going to use this to suppress critical thinking now, and it has the temerity to create a perch within our foreign policy apparatus that will simply take globally the weaponization of the same Orwellian racialization of the faith of Islam that Islamist tyrants do across the planet and our families escaped to come here to the United States to avoid seeking real religious freedom, and yet somehow, in a tyrannical way, this position is being put in place here in the United States in our State Department. History will show that the Democrat Party that puts in place positions like this of the 21st century has become the platform of Islamists for Islamists. Thank you for joining me in this conversation today. I hope I was able to shed a little light for you on what the Progressivist Islamist Alliance is doing in Congress, what they just passed at the House, and God willing, will never pass through the Senate because this position, I mean, what's interesting is that the institutionalization of political Islam in the U.S. government, even if you put a Muslim like myself into that position, we'd be hamstrung. The wording and the position and the label, I, I couldn't even see any Muslims I know and respect and love working in a department against Islamophobia. That that term itself, people have a right to criticize, do whatever they want about a religion. It's an idea, it doesn't have any rights. Human beings have rights. So to compare it to positions on anti-Semitism is absurd. It's not about, there's no envoy on Judeophobia. There's an envoy on anti-Semitism. And by the way, I don't think that the crimes and bigotry against Muslims compare to the level and the necessity to protect and advocate for against the crimes committed against the Jewish community. Not that there's any difference, but there are 56, 57 countries run by Muslim majorities that I think need to fix up their act first before we start focusing on anti Muslim bigotry, let alone misnaming it on the behalf of Islamists. Thanks again for joining me. Please spread this online. Uh, this is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Find me on Twitter at Dr. Zuti Jasser, D R Z U H D I J A S S E R, or at Reform This Radio. God bless and hope you have a great Christmas. I'll be back right before New Year's. We form this with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.